welcome back to PRSSA Podcasts. Our guest today is Gina Laughlin, who is very dear to the PRSSA family. When she was a student at Syracuse University, she also served as the PRSSA National President. Today, she serves as the Director of Global Employee Engagement and Recognition for Delta Airlines in the greater Atlanta area, where her goal is to build an employee-first approach to internal communications and employee relations that bolsters Delta's culture and reputation as a great place to work. In her free time, Gina enjoys equestrian jumping. Please join me in welcoming Gina Laughlin to today's PR with the Pros episode. Hi, Gina. Thank you for hopping on this call. Hi, Nicole. It's great to be here. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. It's always nice to connect with PRSSA. Oh, for sure. Well, we're so excited to have you on this podcast. Um, but before we dive into your profession, I have to say that I'm very impressed by your jumping experience. How long oh. have you been riding and jumping horses? I started riding horses when I was eight years old and uh, have been riding competitively really just a few years after that I started. And it's, it is the constant uh, thing that has, that has stayed with me as a teenager um, into my early years working and, um, and something that I just really enjoy doing, um, even, you know, even today. So it, it's really a fun, um, it's a fun sport and, um, it's a, it's a great source of stress relief too. Do you ride? I do. Um, you do? Oh. I do. <laughs> I don't jump. Um, and okay. I have had to take a break for college as I'm sure many people have done with their sports, but yeah, I started riding when I was three years old. That's fantastic. So. Isn't it's it? just such a neat sport um, and horses mm -hmm. are wonderful. They're a wonderful thing for your, for your soul. Um, it's always nice to just get out to the barn and feel like you're just grounded with them. And, you know, in the, in the smells of hay and leather and um, only a fellow, I think equestrian can, can <laughs> look at as, uh, as much as I do. So. Well, I totally agree that it's just such a great place to be. And I love that you're still riding and jumping. Yeah. We all have to have that, that place that centers us. Um, and that's going to be really important. I think for, for everyone, as you go into the career and the, and, um, the working world, um, you may, you may find yourself, um, you know, doing more or less depending on the different phases of your career. And certainly, as you say, you know, you had to maybe take a little bit of a break during school. Um, I did as well. And I've seen it, um, you know, come and go a little bit in terms of the time that I've been able to spend, but having something that you really enjoy that allows you to um, you know, find your center and find your sense of, of self uh, amid the craziness that is your work life and your personal life and everything else that's going on is really important. Oh, for sure. I couldn't agree more. Okay, well, let's kick this interview off by learning a little bit more about your role at Delta. What exactly does this position entail? Sure. So at Delta, I am the Vice President of Employee Communications I think I have the very best job at Delta. I get to lead an incredible team of communications professionals, and we tell the stories of Delta people and Delta's culture, and we really get to advocate for 
Delta employees and use the feedback and two-way communication channels to keep Delta a great place to work. It's, it's a fantastic company. It has a very special culture and communications and building trust and engagement and credibility um, between employees and their leaders, between employees and the company at large um, is really our mission on the communications team. And that looks very different every day, but it is grounded in those fundamentals of PR and, and building trust. And it's just a lot of fun uh, to do what we get to do. Well, we love a company with a good culture. Yes. <laughs> um, so you work internal communications. How does internal communications compare and contrast to external communications? So I've spent a fair amount of my career on both sides, um, doing external communications, internal communications, a blend of the two. Um, and if you ask this question to, to different people, you might get very different answers. But for me, I think it's, it's really the difference in the audience, because at the end of the day, we are trying to build trust, build reputations, develop that relationship. Externally, you're developing it with members of the media, perhaps with customers, you know, with the community at large. Maybe you have other external stakeholders uh, where you're trying to build that trust and you're trying to improve right, the brand. Um, internally, we're doing the same thing. Our audience happens to be employees and our audience happens to be family members, but we still want to create that brand affinity. We still want to help manage not only the company's reputation, but manage the reputation of the leaders um, and the, the relationship that the leaders have with employees. So I think the work we do is very similar. It's just the audience that's different. Very nice. And during your time at Delta, what has been a campaign that you've implemented and saw work and what made it successful? So one of the campaigns that I'm, I'm most proud of is what we did during COVID. And it started um, back in 2020 really as a campaign to keep people healthy. Uh, we called it Stop the Spread, Save Lives, and we really believed in our mission to use good communication strategy to help keep people safe and to save their lives. Um, and that was a campaign that we ran across the company and also partnered uh, it was internally focused with our employees, but also we partnered with our external um, colleagues and our marketing, external comms colleagues and marketing colleagues um, to implement some of these things with customers on board the airplane. But, but my team's focus was very much on the employee side. And that little did we know then that that would evolve to what was a highly successful campaign to vaccinate Delta employees. Um, and at the end of that campaign, we found ourselves above 90% of all Delta people getting vaccinated without having to issue any sort of mandate. And so that was a, you know, really a multi-year effort and I think was successful in part because we started seeding those conversations with the Stop the Spread Save Live campaign really making sure that people understood the value of, you know, at first it was 
basic hand washing, right? Then it became um, wearing a mask. Then it became getting tested. Then it became vaccinations and testing and mask wearing. Um, and that really took, um, you know, took hold with our ability to understand the audience that we had in front of us, right? And understanding your audience in, in PR and in a campaign is so incredibly important. We needed to know all the different facets of who our people were that we were trying to talk to, right? Because as you can imagine, throughout the pandemic and people's um, you know, beliefs about it, maybe their hesitation, their questions um, were shaped in part by maybe their age, maybe their background, maybe their family history, maybe who they were hearing from and who they were listening to. And so we had to take all of that into consideration as we were trying to deliver educational information and some persuasive information. And so we leveraged tactics that uh, allowed people to hear from their peers or maybe allowed people to hear from certain kinds of doctors in the medical community and making um, people available to have their questions answered after work hours on the weekends with family members present anonymously if they needed to, right? But really trying to, um, to go and meet employees where they were. And I think that that was a huge part of what kept it successful and also making things very easy. And so part of what made the comms job easy is that the decisions we were taking as a business um, also facilitated very much uh, easy logistics for employees. So as an example, our employees, our uh, pilots and flight attendants and airport workers could go get a test right there in their break room at work anytime they wanted to, any day of the week. It was that easy. So when we made things really easy for people, um, combined with the education, combined with meeting them where they were, we understood you know, what they needed from us in order to make a decision that was best for them. And we saw that you know, really work in everyone's favor. Simplicity can sometimes be the key to a successful campaign, which is so cool to see it implemented and see the successful results that you got from just knowing your audience and how to best reach them and support them. That's right. And there's no greater feeling when you're able to do this type of work and this type of a campaign that is so that is so meaningful and it is impactful, right? You could see the impact, you could feel the impact, you understood um, you know, people's relief, you shared in their heartache sometimes when they were seeing other family members and friends, uh, you know, go some go through something that was that was really difficult. So when you get the ability to uh, be a communicator and work on something that has real meaning, um, it's unlike any other. And that was really special for the team. Totally. Well, that's awesome. Okay, well, before stepping into the position you have with Delta, you served as a PRSSA national president. What were some takeaways from your time with PRSSA that you implement in your current position? Well, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I really do credit PRSSA and my time on the national board um, with, with the start. I think the wonderful start that I was able to have in, in my career. And 
it started really as a as a nice networking opportunity, right? The friends that that I met um, started as friends now are, are friends for life and and professionals. And you understand the importance, I think, when you are participating in PRSSA and, and PRSA as well at that level um, of building that wonderful network and understanding what it means to support one another um, and being part of a group of people that really believe in the impact that our profession can have. And I don't think we, we all perhaps knew it at the time, um, starting out early in our careers, um, but having stayed involved in PRSA, and, and I really do my best to, to continue to give back to PRSSA, you see that thread be pulled through. Um, and it's nice to have that group that you can, can really rely on. Um, I think engaging the broad audience of PRSSA members as a national board is also similar to experiences that you will get in the workplace, right? The, the PRSSA student body and the chapters across the country come in all shapes and sizes, right? They're all starting from uh, maybe a different, a different place. They may have commonalities in what they're learning in school. It may be very, very different. The support they receive from their schools could look and feel differently. And as a national board, you know, you're trying to advance the objectives and the goals that you set, and you're trying to help people um, you know, make the best of, of their membership. And so all of those things, I think, are things that we, we see and do um, now in, in our professional lives. So it really was a wonderful jumping off point, both for the networking it provided um, and just for the opportunity to think about how you reach a very large um, and, and a large, diverse, and in some cases, you know, geographically scattered um, population. Totally. Yeah, I, I love PRSSA. I can't talk about it enough, but I totally see all the things that you were saying. I know those are still true about um, what PRSSA members and our committee are getting away from, you know, just being involved in the program. It's, it's great. Mm -hmm. So you're also currently listed as a champion for PRSSA on our directory. Why do you continue to support PRSSA? This is so important to me. I, I really feel like PRSSA and the time that I spent um, allowed me to uh, to get a jump start on on my career. Um, you know, I remember my junior and senior years of of college and the work with PRSSA and you know national conference and national assembly and meeting people and and several of the job offers candidly that I had as a senior coming out of school were connected in some way to people that I met in PRSSA. And my, my Delta career for sure, and I've been here in Atlanta for over 20 years now, so pretty much my entire career, started you know, through another PRSSA national board member. You know, He was my immediate past president, a, a delightful human being, a phenomenal professional. Um, and we were able to, to work together for a few years. And so when I think back to what really helped propel my career um, and just how much fun I had in all of those years, um, why, why wouldn't I give back? I love 
seeing the excitement and hearing the excitement from students uh, just like yourself, you know, who are on this board, who are really hopeful for a wonderful career. And if I can give, um, you know, even half of what I feel like I received, which is a whole lot from this organization, um, I'm going to do that. And it's just a lot of fun uh, to, to, meet, to meet the students and to help offer support where I can. I had a lot of great professionals and mentors when I was in the organization helping me. And uh, it, it's just my, that's my obligation to give back to this great profession and to see that it continues, um, that it grows, that it evolves, that it continues, that the next generation is coming up uh, in the same way that people brought us up when it was my turn. Well, we're so grateful for champions such as you. Um, I know it really makes a world of difference in a young PR professional's lives to have someone who's willing to support them in different areas of their, um, you know, career, their early career. Mm -hmm. So how can students best leverage their access to a resource such as Champions for PRSSA? This goes back to the tried and true, um, you know, skill, and it really is a skill of networking. Um, it is everything you have probably heard, learned, read about in terms of networking is true. And it's candidly not that difficult to do. It just takes some time and it takes uh, good intention. And meeting individuals and building that network, even when you may not have a direct request or connection, those relationships over time pay dividends. And building that network, again, you may not know now when or how you may need to access your network going forward and whether that will be next month or next year or in five years from now, but having that group there to support you is really important. And I think that's where the champions do come in, right? Champions are the volunteers like myself who have said, we believe in this organization, we believe in the students, we believe in the process, and we're here with time, with, with money, with resources, with however we can best help. And so take advantage of us, get to know as many champions as possible. Doesn't have to be the one in your city uh, or even the one in your preferred you know, field of study or, or field of interest when you get out into the world, but certainly those are great places to start. Just make those connections. And most importantly, keep them. Keep them going. Stay on that networking schedule. Um, check in every few months, even when you feel like you might not have anything to share. Uh, that's how you build those, those lasting relationships. And I think that's one of the best resources that, that, um, that students have in the Champions Network. Well, that gets me excited to meet and reach out to all of the other champions. Do you have any other advice for students on how to prepare for their thriving careers? I think if students are listening to this podcast, that means they're already engaged in PRSSA. That is a wonderful place to start. Get as engaged as you can, right? So run for office in your local chapter, run for national office if you can, build that network. Um, and then in the first few years of your job, it is really about getting as much experience as you possibly can. Raise your hand for everything. Um, go above and beyond. Do a little bit more. 
and and be less maybe worried about what that first job is going to be and what's going to happen in the second job and just go out there and be open to experience and getting as much experience and as much um, you know diverse experience as you can. So projects or you know even your first few jobs early on in your career, you want to give yourself a very well-rounded base of, of knowledge, experiences, um, even companies or organizations to work for. That's how you set a wonderful foundation and be flexible and be open-minded um, to, you know, to new things, whether that's a new project, a new role. Um, and you know, I think you'll find that when you keep your head down and you do just a lot of really great work and, and you put the effort in initially, then you set your career off on this wonderful um, trajectory. So being open and kind of raising your hand, I would say are two things um, that I personally really benefited from. I can't tell you there have been a handful of times throughout my career where I've been offered the opportunity to work on a project or take a new role. And my initial reaction, sometimes it was my inside voice and sometimes it was my, my outside voice said, no, that's not really what I am interested in doing. Um, and every time when I, I ended up saying, yes, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do that. I had no idea at the time what that was gonna turn into, but I will tell you some of my biggest career moments and whether that was a big moment because it propelled my career or it was a big moment just for personal or professional growth or it introduced me to another set of lifelong friends. Um, those things happened at the time when I originally thought, no, I don't really want to do that. And I convinced myself or maybe I had some really good mentors who pushed me along and said, no, you should just go ahead and do that. Um, and those were the turning points for me and my career. So sometimes early on, it may not be as easy to see where that's going to take you, but wow, it pays dividends in the end. Totally. That's such great advice. Thank you so much for sharing all that wisdom. Well, now we're going to move into a fun lightning round. So okay. our first question of the lightning round is what attracted you to the world of public relations and communications? Oh, wow. Initially, I started as a broadcasting major. I really had visions of being Peter Jennings and sitting behind an anchor desk reporting, um, reporting the nightly news. I learned early on my freshman year that that was not, in fact, where my interests lie. But I really enjoyed, I did enjoy people. I enjoyed communicating. I enjoyed um, helping tell those stories. And it was, I think, through understanding what I didn't want to do in journalism that someone eventually said, you probably would like public relations. And that was it. And I made the switch and I've been here ever since. Well, we're glad you did. <laughs> Second, what's your go-to lunch while you're working? Oh, my go-to lunch is usually a salad. Um, Typically, I eat the same thing every day, which is pretty pretty boring. Um, but it's nice to think about eating healthy, and it's nice to uh, you know take some time on the weekends and prep a little bit for meals for the week, and then make it real simple. Um, so usually, it's a salad. 
consistency and simplicity. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You've got me pegged. (laughs) And to wrap it all up, what's your favorite horse breed? Oh, um, so I have, I have both a German, um, warm blood breed that is a Holsteiner. And I also have a French warm blood breed, um, that is a Zangersheed and both of them are lovely. Um, and I've owned many other horses that typically have some sort of European warm blood breeding in them. So I would say, that's not a single favorite, um, but those have all been incredibly wonderful. European uh, warm blood horses are just the best when it comes to jumping. So great question. <laughs> well, awesome. I love it. Um, I know I wouldn't be able to choose a favorite horse breed either. So. <laughs> all right. Well, Tina, thank you so much for the time that you've taken out of your day to come and do this podcast with us. We've loved having you on. It has been a pleasure. It's been so nice to meet you, Nicole. I can't wait to see you in person at the conference. And please let me know if there's anything uh, more that I can do. And to anyone who is listening, um, I am in the directory. I'm available on PRSSA or PRSA's website. Please don't hesitate to reach out and use me as a resource. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to meeting you at ICON. And again, to everyone who's listening, you should definitely reach out to Gina. She's been fantastic. All right. Well, Gina, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you again to Gina and thank you to our listeners. Stay tuned for more podcasts coming soon.